You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the most important features and characteristics of a quality implant cement. Our guest today is Dr. Lou Graham, a well-respected clinician, author, and internationally recognized lecturer extensively involved in continuing education for dental professionals. Dr. Graham focuses on incorporating current clinical advancements into a conservative dentistry approach. Dr. Graham, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Glad to be here, Phil. My pleasure. Let's just start right in with the first question. What are some of the most important features that we can consider as prerequisites for a high-quality implant cement? So when you're talking traditional cementation, the most important quality, without a doubt, is biocompatibility. Uh, that's the that's the game changer we're talking about because, you know, going back to Wilson's study, you know, almost 10 years ago, excess cement in the pocket uh, around an implant is such a problem. So I really think biocompatibility is is absolutely the key focus here. Okay, so when it comes to biocompatibility, I would assume that most cements on the market designed to cement implants are biocompatible, you would think. In addition to that, what are some of the other key uh, features that are important? Well, let let me just say this to you. It's interesting that you ask about biocompatibility and other products on the marketplace. There was a study done by the University of Texas recently uh, by Rodriguez and colleagues, and they evaluated a variety of cements. And I think this really is the gist of this podcast. They evaluated resin cements, RMGI cements, zinc oxide eugenol cements. And their study, which I think is the classic study, was really what's the cell viability around the implant in the tissue and what will focus on biocompatibility, in other words, the health. And the only cement that they found, there were two really cements, zinc phosphate cement, which nobody really uses today, mm-hmm. and a nanostructured integrated bioceramic, which is really what we're talking about today, which is serum or bioceramic implant cement. So I would say to you, biocompatibility is very, very unique here. I would never be putting a resin or an RMGI around an implant. Uh, because if there's any excess that's not removed, it's not biocompatible. So I, I do think it's a huge point. Then obviously we can get into cleansability uh, and other things because it makes it very important that the implant crown is cemented as accurately as possible, uh, and that becomes paramount to uh, ease of ease of use, I would say. Right. So if there is some excess cement yeah. when, when using the Ceramere system, what happens biologically compared to a resin cement? Could you just tell us briefly the benefit of this bio, biocompatibility on a, on a uh, physiologic basis, how it reacts with the tissue? Right. So re- really, it's all about, you know, the, t- the human response or the tissue response. And the uh, literature has shown about chronic inflammation and chronic inflammation or a you know, an implant mucositis precedes an implant peri-implantitis, which is bone loss. And it's staggering how high the numbers are based on the studies out of Sweden about peri-implantitis or really peri-implant mucositis. So it is the cement that can, is, is, one, is one cause of a problem, having that excess cement in that pocket. 
So removing excess cement, having margins accessible to removing excess cement becomes really essential and critical. And this cement makes it really easy uh, to do that. And there's even specific techniques that make it even easier. Yeah. In my mind, I know there's more, but there's two major systems of securing an implant, right? Screw retained and cementing. Um, and, yes. And elaborate on if there's others. So routinely in the past, it was always cement retained. And obviously, based on the studies and all the different cements we were using, it became a big, big problem. So implant cement was a big problem. And so what really has transpired over the last number of years with what DOXA has released with the biocompatibility, it really makes this, and I'll, I can even just talk about the technique and then we'll get into screws. If, if Imagine taking this very thin cement and it's very radio opaque and you want to have radio opacity to make sure you don't leave cement so you can actually see it and remove it. But this is as simple as the technique can be, Phil. You load the crown up and you place a very small amount of material of the of this bioceramic implant cement. You place a very thin amount inside the implant crown. And when you seed it, what I would absolutely recommend is that the dentist immediately use air water to literally blast around the area and it will wash away that cement. You don't even have to wait till it sets in a gel stage. You can just blast away with it. So if your margin is somewhat subgingival, just blast away, use thick heavy floss, and pretty much you can almost be virtually guaranteed there'll be no excess cement. Mm -hmm. a, a technique that I routinely use is I use a bite registration and, and I'll walk you through this. So I want to minimize any excess cement. And so what I do is I take a, I put a little mineral oil inside my crown when I'm ready to finally deliver it. I inject a little bite registration fast setting. I like Kettenbox Futar, just letting you know, but there are many quick setting bite registrations and you inject it inside the crown. And as you inject, you keep injecting and you take your futar or your bite registration material out after it has set, and now you have a beautiful replica of your implant. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll clean out the implant, and usually I'll use some, you know, and again, you don't have to with this cement, but I like to clean it out, and whether it's a zirconia or porcelain fused to metal or whatever material, I'll clean out the crown routinely with an IvoClean or a Zerclean, rinse that away, and then what you do is you actually – after triturating the cement, you inject a little amount inside the crown. You insert this replica that you just made inside the crown, pull it out, and now you have a custom-lined serum or bioceramic implant cement crown. Wipe away the excess, insert it, and routinely you see no cement. You can still blast it with a quick hit of water, uh, which I have no problem with, but that's really a, almost a foolproof way of custom-lining uh your implant crown and minimizing any implant cement. Yeah, now, that's clever, clever method. Yeah, thank you. Now, the when you talk about screw down, you go, Lou, then why would you do a screw down if you can minimize excess cement? The problem is, and per Tarnow studies and many others, you know, teeth move based on occlusal forces. And one of the biggest problems is, is after as early as three months, but it can happen in four or five years, as teeth move and implants don't, they develop open contacts. And so now what do you do? So now you have an open contact. If you do a screw down method, then 
you can unscrew it. You remove the, you know, the access. You unscrew it, get a new screw after you get it back from the lab, and you retorque it down with a customized contact. This happens a lot, especially in the posterior, I have found. So I absolutely would say that if an implant is correctly placed, routinely I will do a screw down or what I call a screw meant approach, where I actually screw it into place and have an access hole, and then I actually custom fit the crown to the abutment. And I can go into this at another time with you, but it's called the screw meant crown, where you actually use any type of cement because actually you're cementing the crown to a custom abutment, then you back screw it out, remove the cement, and now you, because you can back screw it out, mm-hmm. and now you just screw it back in with a new screw, torque it into place, and you have a customized screw meant crown. So there's actually three ways to do it, cementing, screwing, or screw meant. And before you ask, I'll just quickly touch on this. So why would you cement? A lot of times, especially in the anterior region, the screws or the implants are emerging a little too buckle. And so it, even with a custom abutment, this, the, you know, the screw would be coming out the incisal edge or the buckle. And it's just, it happens a lot based on the ridge and the placement. What is that mostly? Just, uh, anterior, you're talking about anterior teeth for the most yes, part. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, occasionally I have to do a posterior, but routinely I don't. But in the anterior, it becomes more problematic. So that's where I find routinely I'm doing more cementation in the anterior. And obviously, I don't want to lose tissue or bone there. So this technique really, really works well there. Uh, so more in the anterior than the posterior, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great information. So you talked about um, the main features of the biocompatibility. Is there anything else? I mean, what about the strength of uh, Ceramira? So... The the Ceramur cement has been used, we've been using it for six years in regular crown and bridge techniques. And if a, if a, if a preparation is retentive enough, retentive enough based on the guidelines of four millimeters in height and relatively a parallel prep, this is a relatively very nice retentive cement, not as retentive as a resin cement, but a nice cement overall. Again, resin when I don't have retention, but resin is contraindicated in implants. Now, think about this. If you have a custom-milled abutment, they're usually very parallel in shape. They're usually over four millimeters in height. So I have found retention not to be the problem. So then you can go, well, there's an advocate for temporary cements. Well, they're not as biocompatible if they're left in the tissue. I have found routinely on shorter abutments, this is still retentive, plenty retentive, And if I need to in the anterior, you can almost rotate them off with a good amount of rotational force without fracturing the ceramic itself. So I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. So this Ceramere bioceramic implant cement, is is that different, uh, uh, drastically different than the original Ceramere cement that we use just to put in normal crowns on, on natural tooth? You know, I I think the way they're actually going at this is that the differences are probably minimal. I think what they're doing here is they're trying to solve a specific problem and targeting the implant market itself. So there are a lot of dentists who just love resin cements. Um, And it's not something I even advocate for everything because you have issues with resin cements. So I I would say if, if there are changes from the original, that would be something you'd have to ask the manufacturer 
but I would say the similarity is very similar. Mm-hmm. And ideally, they're just really going after the implant market with this specific branding would be my thought. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because, look, I mean, the, the failures that, that are occurring due to excess cement that's going around that implant, that peri-implantitis is, is you know, very, very obvious. Clinically, it's a, hu- it's a huge problem. Still, it's a huge problem. My, my periodontists and my oral surgeon both say routinely when they're flapping to treat these, uh, you know, implants with peri-implantitis or severe mucositis, routinely they're saying they're seeing cement. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt this is a big problem, and this is a great solution for it. I mean, and again, another little pearl is when you're cementing a crown, after the crown is cleansed, you don't have to prime it. You don't have to silenate it. This material will adhere to the crown and the abutment itself. So it's a really, really simple process. Uh, and really, I think so efficient that it takes, it takes no time to do this. And I think time, efficiency, and long-term success are three things every practitioner should be thinking about. Right. So based on the fact that you explained about the retention of the implant, yeah. the, 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 the difference between the resin cement and the Ceramir bioceramic cement, it doesn't matter. The key thing here is biocompatibility because that's where we're going to run into problems and we're not really worried about the cement's retentive uh, qualities because Ceramir has more than enough based on the, the needs that, that the system uh, is set up for as far as the, the parallel abutment and, and the amount of uh, abutment that you have available. I, I Listen, I couldn't agree more uh, with you. And if the abutment is too short, mm-hmm. then it's got then you've got to either make the abutment more subgingival to gain retention. That's even more of an indication for this. Cement. Right. Exactly. Or you, or you have to go to a screw down because that's your form of retention. But a resin cement in implant dentistry is absolutely not the answer, nor is an RMGI long term because it's got resin. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about that, about the class onomer, the, the resin modified yeah. class onomer. Yeah, so I think you covered everything pretty well. Um, we're wrapping up this podcast right now, and, and, you know, we always like to ask the KOLs what product they're using, but it doesn't sound like there's really that many alternatives out there to this cement. I know it's a, just from colleagues that I know practice, they've been using Ceramir for years, and um, it's especially applicable to obviously using it in, in implant dentistry. Uh, is there any last uh, bit of wise words from Dr. Graham before we wrap it up? I, I think we've covered great points, and, and it's almost the simplicity of based on the studies and, and biology, why this is an answer and a solution. And, and I think for the practitioners out there, they'll see long-term success with this type of cement. So okay. I, I appreciate appreciate the opportunity, Phil. Yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Graham, for being on the show. And if if uh, our listeners want more information about the product, the name of the company is Doxa, D-O-X-A. Um, I'm not sure of their website, but I know you can just Google it, Doxa. And Ceramir is C-E-R-A-M-I-R, Bioceramic Implant Cement. So, and I believe the product's available through dealer distribution, if I'm correct. If, if It uh, is. Yeah, so they yeah. don't they don't sell direct in the United States, um, but you can uh, check out your dental dealer, your sales rep, and ask them about it. Maybe they can have maybe they have free samples to try. I'm not sure if that if that's available. Anyway, thanks very much, Dr. Graham. Hope to have you on your upcoming podcast soon, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, Bill. You too. <laughs>